I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I don't no, understand. you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Meet who we have tonight. Uh, I, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The internet. Social media, dating, and rideshare apps all make life so convenient and fun. Swiping to meet up with someone new has become part of our daily lives. It's also how many unsuspecting people have ended up dead. I'm Courtney Bell. And I'm Jillian Lee Garner, and we're the co-hosts of the true crime podcast, I Met My Murderer Online. In each episode, we share a true story of one such deadly online connection and hopefully how you can avoid it. We hear from all who were involved in the case. The investigators. They discovered a victim inside the house. Victims' family members. Right now, it doesn't feel like life can ever be joyful again. And sometimes, even the murderer themselves. You have to decide, okay, what are you willing to do here? Are you willing to kill these people? If you're a fan of true crime, then you have to listen to season two of I Met My Murderer online. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 20 years ago, this week, my team and I at Dateline NBC, Lynn Keller, producer, Ronnie Knight, my security person, DJ Johnson, the associate producer, camera crew, were all anxiously, nervously 
excitedly preparing to partner with the online watchdog group Perverted Justice for the very first Predator Sting 20 years ago. Now, I don't know exactly what I was doing on this very day 20 years ago, but I know, given the time frame and given the fact that we were just days away from doing this thing, we were preparing this investigation. As you know, in the first two investigations, we did not collaborate with law enforcement. We did this on our own with perverted justice. Successful investigations. And some of the cases were prosecuted after the fact. In this very first investigation in Bethpage, Long Island, a New York City firefighter, Ryan Hogan, surfaced and was later prosecuted. He never actually showed up at the house in Bethpage, Long Island, but we went to go visit him at his firehouse in Brooklyn. He actually spoke with us, admitted that what he did was wrong. Seventeen guys showed up at that house in Bethpage, and seventeen guys except for Ryan Hogan, got away with their crimes. They were exposed on television. We blurred one of the alleged predator's faces because he had a history of psychiatric problems. He's harassed me for years since. I should have shown his face. Dark Hero was his screen name. And one of the fellows who got away with his crimes that day, his alleged crimes, still irks me to this day. Do you remember his name? Ed in NYC. Now, I don't actually have his last name. We were never able to confirm it. I would like to go back and try. If I could identify Ed... I think it would be worth knocking on his door, paying him another visit. He deserves that even 20 years later, I think. Why? Ed in NYC was one of the most devious, disturbing, dangerous predators we've ever encountered. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you exactly why. Now, remember, back in 2004, this was all new. The first episode wasn't even called To Catch a Predator. It was called Dangerous Web. And while we completed shooting the investigation... In the winter of 2004, it did not air until the following fall in November. We knew we had captured some amazing material. We knew it was compelling television. But the standards folks at the network at the time were a little bit overwhelmed as to how to present this responsibly. I think they went too far. They were too nervous looking back. 
we didn't understand the extent of the online problem. You know, we interviewed the mother of a child who was victimized after meeting an adult online. We interviewed a fellow named Ken Lanning, who was a former FBI special agent who worked in this area. He's still around. In fact, I interviewed him for a show on True Blue, my streaming crime network, within the last year. We'll hear from him in this episode as well. He talks about what drives these predators. And instead of living in the moment the way we do now with the takedown episodes on True Blue, we heard from some of the guys. I confronted them. It was very dramatic and compelling. But we mixed in a lot of other interviews almost as if we had to justify showing what we had captured in the undercover hidden camera investigation. Made sense at the time. Ed in NYC, and I'll get into the chat in a moment, was one of the most smarmy, unctuous, irritating human beings to ever walk into a sting operation. He knew that what he was doing was wrong. He knew or had every reason to believe that he was actually talking to a girl who was 14, Rachel. And by his own account, ironically, and we confirm this later, he was a television producer out of great import or anything particularly notable, but he was, in fact, a freelance television producer. And on one particular day in 2004, March 9th to be exact, he initiates a conversation with a perverted justice decoy posing as this 14-year-old Rachel, Rachel T. Walker. It all happened in a Yahoo chat room. It started when Eddie sent a private message from New York regional chat to this girl clearly identified as being underage. Nice pick. You look great. How are you? He says, thanks, says Rachel T. Walker, 14 years old. I'm okay. And you? Very well, thank you. My pick is in my profile also, says Eddie. I'm Eddie. Nice to meet you. Hi, Eddie. Nice to meet you, too. Where are you from, Rachel? Montana. And you? Eddie says, Manhattan. How cosmopolitan. He says he's 25. Rachel says, cool, I just moved here to New York. Welcome. You'll love it. Whereabouts you move to? Thanks. I'm here in Long Island. Very cool, says Eddie. I grew up in Long Island. I'm actually out there now. You in Nass or Suff, meaning Nassau County or Suffolk County? I'm in Bethpage. Where are you at? She says. I'm further out east, Medford, but I grew up in Plainview, one town over. It was a great place to live. Hmm. Probably fewer predators back in those days. I'm 14. How old are you? She says. I'm 25. A little old for you, LOL. Well, 
Eddie in NYC, this is the part where if you really think you're way too old or a little too old, you stop the conversation. This is where you find out you're speaking to a child. You look older in your pick, he says, rationalizing what he's about to do. Aw, thanks. You're not old, silly, says the decoy. LOL. I take it you go for older guys. Again, end the conversation, Eddie. Be your own best producer. Don't end up in your own TV show. Well, too late for that. Well, I liked an older guy one time, she says. How old? He was 22. Wow. He could get in trouble for that, LOL. Did your parents know? LOL, we wouldn't get in trouble unless you told on me. No, they don't know, she says. Cool, you seem very mature for your age. Here comes the grooming, indicating to me at least that this was not the first time Eddie in NYC went down this road. You're welcome, he says. You know, I just looked at your pick again. You are an extremely pretty girl. I can't believe how young you are. Oh, you're so nice. You got a pic, she asks. It's on my profile, says Eddie. Coolness. I'll look. BRB. Gah, you're hot. Wow, you serious, he says. Uh, yeah, you are, she says. Thank you very much. Very nice of you to say, says the 25-year-old to a 14-year-old. You just made my night, LOL. So why are you up so late, Rachel? Good question. The only legitimate question he's asked so far. It's true, she says. You're a hottie deluxe. I couldn't sleep. What about you? Same, he says. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Listen to this. You and your PJs, he asks. Yeah. How adorable you must look. What are they? Oh, thanks. It's just my t-shirt. Comfy, I'm sure. Just a tea or tea and panties? Tea and panties, she says. Nice. I bet you have cutest little panties. What do the ones you have on look like? They're just white. Bikini cut or thong, he asks. They're bikini kind. Nice. Much sexier than thong. Leaves more to the imagination, he says. Are they thin and stringy or high up on the sides? She's 14, Eddie. Yeah, they are, she says. Love that look. Very hot. Are they silk, satin, lace, or cotton? They're just cotton. Wish I could see them. Smiley face. So now, Ed in NYC is going in for the kill, so to speak. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. So, Rachel, are you still a virgin? Yeah, I am, but I tried some other stuff before. What have you tried that you really liked? I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard something very similar to that in the 20 years that's passed since I first read these transcripts and confronted Ed in NYC. I like the oral, she says. Both giving and receiving, he asks. Yeah, we did both. Talking about her older previous boyfriend. So at this point, the decoy with perverted justice has to leave and come up with an excuse. There are so many potential predators trying to communicate with her that she can't keep up. The private messages were overwhelming. BRB, my dog's barking. Okay. Hi, baby, I'm back, he says. You still on? Hello? Oh, sorry, I had to feed him and he was barking like crazy. No prob. Actually had to reboot. You back? Nice and comfy? He asks about the school she was attending. Wow, I used to play ball against them when I was in high school. You did? Cool. So I'm really your type looks-wise, huh? Oh, God, yeah. You're super hot. You don't got a girlfriend? Just dating, nothing serious, he says. I'll admit you're not typical for your age. Wow. You are a serious little hottie, he says. I don't really go for young girls. It's generally not my thing, but you are mature beyond your years. And very, very tempting. But I don't think it would be a good idea. Then why do you continue the conversation, Ed? Do I tempt you, he says. Yeah, because you're adorable. But if I'm not right for you, that's cool. So here... The perverted justice decoy gives 25-year-old Ed an out. But if I'm not right for you, that's cool. Does he take the out? Nope. You handle yourself really well. Oh, thank you, she says. Are you really who you say you are? Now, this is the part where he's going to use his TV producer skills to try to produce a story, a scenario where he doesn't get busted. Because he knows very well that what he's doing is not only illegal, it's immoral, it's gross and disgusting. I thought maybe you're an undercover cop or agent. No, I'm not a cop or agent. I'd have to arrest myself. LOL. LOL. Did you like giving oral? So not even an acknowledgement of the decoy denial that she's a cop or an undercover agent, not even an acknowledgement of that. And he's already into, did you like giving oral? Do you think you would enjoy giving me oral? I can see myself really enjoying giving you oral pleasure. I'm really, really good too. 
I was taught very well, I'd make you come all over my face, says Ed to the 14-year-old girl. Have you fooled around in a car before? Now, this becomes significant because as the time gets closer to Ed in NYC visiting 14-year-old Rachel, he gets very, very nervous about coming into our sting house in Bethpage, Long Island. He comes up with a number of plans, very complicated plans, where he's going to drive by, check out the house. She is to call him at a very specific time. They're going to have a conversation. He's going to ask her to walk out to the end of the driveway so he can see her to make sure she's real. This part of the whole discussion, and as you'll hear in just a moment, as we play you the audio, it's like some sort of a hostage negotiation. I mean, it's crazy. It's tense. And I remember being in the house in Bethpage thinking, do I come out and confront this guy now? How long do I let this play out? What's going to happen? Is he here just for sex with a child or is he going to try to kidnap this girl? He was among the more tense situations I've encountered even up until today. And we just finished a sting, by the way, just a few days ago in Alabama. I'll talk about that at the end of this episode. But first, before he comes over, he's going to tell her a little bit more about what he does for a living. I'm staying in Long Island, working from home. I'm a television producer, and I can work by computer some days. Hmm. Oh, that rocks, she says. You work on TV? Behind the camera, he says. Mostly producing. But I've done some on-camera work before. Boy, wouldn't we have liked to get that video. They exchange numbers. There's more talk about this plan. He wants to know if she's had orgasms. Do you like touching yourself, he asks. I have a really nice-looking cock, he says. Does that excite you? She's 14. Are your nipples sensitive? That's great. Some girls are not so lucky. Have you ever squeezed your titties around a nice hard cock? Wow. Very clever, Mr. TV producer. I bet it's fun, she says. It sure is, especially if your nipples are erect and they rub against the balls. Plus, you can feel the underside of the cock pulsating against your bare chest. Wow. It's called French fucking. Maybe he produces porn for some obscure television network. Sounds like that's a possibility. He goes on, picture this, you lying back. I straddle your chest with my throbbing hard cock. You squeeze your titties so they wrap around my shaft. And I slowly thrust upwards so the head of my cock reaches up to your lower lip. Now, you get the point. He goes on, but you don't need to hear it over and over again. It's a big risk for me, really big. I would want to pick you up somewhere besides your house, you know. Well, that's not going to happen. The location is given. The plans are made. Oh, and by the way, Ed in NYC, he's not 25, as he said in the chat. He's actually 34. Here he comes. If what you've heard shocks you so far, 
Join us back in a moment. He walks in the back door, and his scheme is already underway. Before he'll come into the kitchen, he comes up with a scheme to insulate himself from possible criminal charges, and he tries to get the girl to play along. This is the part where Ed tries to get the decoy, Dell from Perverted Justice, to play along with him. Now, he truly believes he's talking to a 14-year-old girl named Rachel, and he's going to get her to say that she's older. So he wants her to role-play a situation that would mitigate his criminal responsibility. And I don't know how this would help him because he's not recording it as far as I know. Okay, listen, just say something to me. What do you want me to say? Okay, listen, just say something for me, he says to Rachel. I say, Rachel, you're 19 years old, right? No, no, I don't know that. I told you I was 14. You saw him, you checked back to me. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Not as far as I know. He wants Rachel to say she's 19. Dell, pretending to be Rachel, says, you know better. I'm 14. I told you that. But he's not going to give up. As far as I know, you're 19 years old, right? Rachel? Can you read between the lines? Rachel? Can you read between the lines? Soon it becomes clear that it's time for me to come out and talk to Ed in NYC. Now it's Ed in hot water in our Bethpage, Long Island, Stinghouse. He's stunned, but he thinks he can really talk his way out of this. My intentions are not anything, so I just want to protect myself, that's all. He admits to me that he was trying to insulate himself from criminal charges, but still he's here. And as far as he knows, so is a 14-year-old girl. But she told you on the internet she was 14. 19, she was on the internet. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. On the internet? Yes. You want to stick with that story? I just, that's what I thought she wrote. You want want to see the um, transcript? I'm sure you have it. The fact that Eddie is so cunning doesn't surprise me at the time, even back during that first investigation, and nor does it surprise law enforcement experts like Ken Lanning, who I mentioned earlier. We interviewed him for this particular episode on the network, and I think it's worthwhile hearing what he had to say then, now, in this episode. Not only are they not stupid, but they're probably above average intelligent. They can be a wide variety of individuals, but a lot of them are well-educated individuals. Which continues to track with the predators we catch today. Now, Eddie's going to tell me about his job as a TV producer and how he was actually doing research for his own project. Where are you a television producer? I work independently right now. He hasn't figured out who I am. And he doesn't see any television cameras because so far all this has been recorded with hidden mics and hidden cameras. And now it's time for me to share my career with Eddie. You know, it's ironic because I work in television, too, with Dateline NBC. This is where the big cameras come out after I tell them who I am. It would become a signature moment and a signature line in future investigations. I'm Chris Hansen, and here come the big cameras and the big boom mic. At first, Eddie 
is camera shy. But then he comes back to the counter and pretends like he's going to be mano a mano. One TV guy to another. Try to spin me his tail. I've done anything wrong at all. You go into the transcripts. Mil- a time and I've time again. Everything that was said. Picture this. Everything. Picture this. You lying back. I straddle your chest. It, it sounds like you were looking to have a sexual experience with this girl, Rachel, who we were talking about in the internet. I mean, I don't know what other conclusions you, ser- you can You can search me for a condom. I don't have one on me. I wouldn't have sex without one. That's what Eddie says. I always ask these guys, did you bring a condom? Sometimes they say yes and put it out on the counter. If they don't bring condoms, to me it indicates they were willing to have unsafe sex with a child. Either way, the predator loses. Eddie thinks he's pretty smooth, and he's not quite finished. He's got yet another excuse why he's not really here for sex. Oh yeah, now he's really hustling, scrambling in his own mind to come up with reasons as to why he would not have sex with a 14-year-old. This is the virgin excuse. And while he sounded excited about this during the online chat, he claims now it would be a turnoff. Besides, she's supposedly a virgin, so she's never had sex anyway. So I certainly wouldn't want to be the first. Kind of sounds like you might have been excited about the fact that she was a virgin. I don't think so. You don't see that in there. In fact, all you see is just little tests. Scenario. For the record, it appears Eddie has worked as a TV producer. And now Eddie is going to compliment me and my team on what we're doing. I'm very interested in your story. I think it's a great thing that you're doing. I think uh, it's something that you should certainly do more and more and and bag people left and right. Thanks for the pat on the back, Eddie. What did Ken Lanning think about these excuses? It's not uncommon for these individuals when caught dead to right to try to minimize and downplay and to rationalize and justify and offer these excuses. And that's exactly what the predators continue to do today. Eddie walked out of that house and he was featured several months later, as I mentioned, when the very first predator investigation aired on the network in November of 2004, just about nine months after we shot that investigation. I'm sure that even though he didn't face criminal charges in that case, I'm sure he sweated it out for those nine months, and I'm sure there are people who saw the episode and knew exactly who Ed in NYC was. I don't have much on Ed. Got an old cell phone number. It appears to no longer belong to Ed in NYC. If he is still a television producer or involved in media, the odds are I I don't think he'll be calling me back, even if I get a number. But I'd like to talk to him. Ed, are you listening? More of our story in a moment. As always, I am listening to you. And this week's question comes from Lewis, all the way over in the UK. Hey, Chris, my name's Lewis. I'm from Cambridge, England. I just want to say thanks for all of your work. Protect so many people. I've been a fan of your investigative journalism for well over a decade now. Yeah, I really enjoyed the podcast, so I thought I'd come in with a few questions. 
I've got two, actually. One about your work and one about the uh, predators that you catch. I recently listened to your Anthony Sorrentino podcast and I noticed that you mentioned about uh, fast movers and that seems to be a specific type. Do you feel that these guys move fast because it reduces the amount of evidence? Or, I mean, basically my question is, what do you feel the motivation is behind fast moving, if anything? Do you feel it's like a passion of the moment kind of action? Or do you feel that maybe it's more calculated than that and they're trying to reduce evidence or reduce the likelihood that things could get reported? And secondly, um, I'm from the UK and I've noticed that there's a lot of vigilantism nowadays. Similar to your work, but obviously without law enforcement involvement, it's, it's slightly less regimented than what you do. Slightly less orthodox, I suppose, even if your methods are slightly unorthodox yourself. My question about that is, do you feel that this is appropriate? I, for one, personally do respect it, but I totally understand that there's probably more legitimate, safer ways to go about this kind of thing. And if so, if someone is interested in pursuing this kind of work, do you have any recommendations or guidance for people who want to pursue capturing predators themselves? Once again, thanks for your time. And uh, I really appreciate your work. Thanks for the podcast. Thank you for that, Lewis. And I hope you're doing well in Cambridge. In terms of the fast movers, I think it's a combination of the two things you mentioned. I think it's passion of the moment. We see a lot of these fast movers on social media platforms that are dedicated to quick hookups, grinder and things like that. While it does leave less evidence, as you mentioned, I think it has more to do with the need to hook up fast. People who are looking for a quick hit and run sexual experience and off they go. We still see guys look for children in these situations and they're just as dangerous as somebody who spends days or weeks or months grooming a child. But I think that has more to do with passion of the moment and less to do with collection of evidence or leaving less evidence. In terms of the vigilantes, Lewis, and I've talked about this many times before, I am not a big fan, as people who know me know, and people who do this kind of work on YouTube and other platforms get irritated with me, thinking that for some reason I believe I'm holier than thou. I am not. I've just been doing this a long time. I've got experience. I work with law enforcement. And so the guys who are exposed in my investigations face justice. Now, Ed and NYC did not. Those were the early days of the predator investigations. But from the third investigation on, the vast majority of the predators I've caught have faced consequences, ranging from probation to many years in prison. There's a reason why YouTube has now deplatformed so many of the vigilante predator catchers who do not work with law enforcement. And that is because it's dangerous and some of the people are doing it merely for clicks. That's the fact. If somebody wants to get involved with this sort of work, I think there's room to do it. But it should be done in conjunction with law enforcement. I can't say it any clearer than that. It's the best way to do it. And that's the way we will continue to do it. Thank you, Lewis. You can find me all over social media, at Chris Hansen on Twitter, official Chris Hansen on Instagram. Have a seat with Chris Hansen on TikTok. Cameo, 
And on my streaming crime network, True Blue, T-R-U-B-L-U, watch trueblue.com for details. We have just completed another investigation for the first time in Alabama, about 45 minutes outside of Birmingham. Three men in two days. And it's very compelling. They talked to me for a long time. And you'll see it all on True Blue. As always, you can find me right here at Chris at PredatorPodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening. A Huda Media Production.